0: Ago, when the powerful Baron von Heckelhoffer fell in love with a beautiful maiden. To win her love, he built a gigantic mansion. It took him 17 long years, but he did
1: it. Finally, on the day they got married, he brought his new bride to the house. He swept her into his arms and ran up the steps, then pushed the
0: massive door open for the very first time. He stepped across the threshold and splat! He forgot to put in the floor.
2: Welcome to Splat Attack, a '90s podcast honoring the slime-filled past. I'm your meddling monster maniac, Brett.
1: <laughs> and I'm your trespassing trick-or-treater, Alex. And Brett.
2: Yes, Alex?
1: <laughs> Why are we heading to Funky Town today?
2: Well, Alex, today we're going to be exploring the most haunted building in Bluffington as we discuss Doug's Halloween adventure <laughs> and the legend of Bloodstone Manor's
1: Threshold
2: of Death.
1: Now, wait. We're at the park, but we don't need to actually go inside Bloodstone Manor, do we?
2: Well, I i mean, I, I got a message from our guests earlier saying to meet them in the manor, so... I mean, I don't see them, but maybe maybe they do want us to go inside.
1: Uh Okay. <laughs> well, you seem to know what's going on, so you can go first.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be diplomatic about this. You go first. Well, one of us should
1: wait outside, you know, just in case.
2: Good idea. Wait. Do you hear that? Ooh, what an eerie noise. It's giving me the creeps.
1: It sounds like there's somebody inside.
2: Yeah, where's that coming from? (laughs) Oh my goodness. That that startled me for a second. It looks like uh, our guest just popped right out of the picture frame up there. Uh, we have our guests for today, Reese Borges and Jeffrey Kerr. How are how you guys doing today on this haunted evening?
3: Yeah, doing great. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Thank you both so much for joining us. I mean, we're we're excited to be talking. Doug, we're excited to be having uh, two new guests. These are both uh, some some wonderful people who have been supporting the podcast for quite a while, and now they both get to be on the podcast. And we're gl- be Happy beyond measure to have you both here. So thank you both so much for taking the time to be here with us. Oh,
0: man, yeah. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So it's like bucket list item checked. (laughs) Oh, that
2: means a lot to us to be on your bucket list.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm excited to be talking about this episode.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot in store inside uh, this this creepy uh, funky town ride. But let's not spoil anything just yet, even though we're about 30 years too late. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Um, Just to give you quick episode info, it uh, aired October 30th, 1993. It was season four, episode four. It was written by King Scarborough and Alan Higgins, and it was directed by Myrna Bushman and Paul Sparagano. Yeah, I got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you did better than I would have.
2: I do my best. <laughs> uh, but before, before we jump into our episode synopsis, uh, let's hear about some of your memories of Halloween in 1993 or watching this episode first time. What are your thoughts, guys?
3: Okay, so I was born about two months after Doug ended its original run on Nickelodeon. Yes, to the math, I'm 29 and a half years old. So I vaguely remember catching reruns when I first started watching Nick on a regular basis as I was getting older. Although I don't believe I caught Doug's Halloween Adventure until several years later on the Nicktoons network. I remember really loving it from the first time I saw it. Reese, what about you? When did you catch it? Did you catch it on its original run?
0: I, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, um, so yeah, remember this one was like 11 at the point in time for me, so yeah, and um, it's like really cool because like, I was watched that, um, so also get ready because I think they were doing Snick or Treat this year, uh, just afterwards, so yeah, so man, we did, man, being a 90s kid was like, like such an awesome time.
1: Yeah, I, I miss I miss the things of the '90s. I, I especially miss Halloween in the '90s. I, I don't I don't know Halloween now. N- not to complain because I do really enjoy Halloween now. I enjoy being able to take my kids to Spirit Halloween and get to see all these cool things. But back, I don't know there. There didn't seem to be like a big Halloween store. When I was a kid, Uh, it was you'd have to go to Walmart or Toys R Us to get your costumes, and then we had those those big leaf bags that look like uh, jack-o'-lanterns, and uh, then you, every store would do some Halloween theme. McDonald's had the little glass window paintings, then and uh, you'd have the little uh, like classroom. Uh, cardboard poster boards everywhere, and it just seems like everyone got in the spirit. And, and somewhere along the line, it got a little too commercial, but back then, it, it just felt everywhere. It, it just encompassed everything, and the TV specials were no different, because every channel, every every show seemed to have a very special episode just for halloween and they all had their own flavor and uh, i'm i'm really really excited that we get to talk about the doug's halloween adventure because this this was a classic
0: that was true except for like are you free to dark because almost every episode felt like halloween oh yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah, a whole series dedicated to halloween not just the two specials of that series yeah when when i was uh trick-or-treating back in 1993 i was about seven wait let me do the math Five. I was five. So I was in first grade and I'm pretty sure I dressed up as either Batman or the Blue Power Ranger. And I just remember not only how sweaty I was from going down my entire neighborhood, but just how massive my my pillow sack was full of candy because I didn't get any of the Halloween uh, McDonald's pails or like a special candy holder until I got older when I was trick-or-treating. But there's just something really magical and innocent. And whimsical about going with your parents from door to door, saying trick or treat, getting candy, and and getting to feel that that feeling for the first time. It, it it really is, it really is a rush just to be able to go from door to door and see what kind of candy you can get. And of course, when you go back home, you can you can pick out which ones you want to eat that night, or you know save them for later in the week, or even mm-hmm. trade with your siblings if you have any. And I had two siblings, so we always see who got what. Uh, I was more partial to, like, the Three Musketeers and Milky Way. And then um, now and later, it's because I really like chewy things and caramel-y things uh, versus my siblings liking, like, M&M's and Skittles more. So a lot lot of fun memories there, uh, even even if it was a lot of work to actually walk through the neighborhood because it was a fairly big neighborhood where I lived at the time.
1: I think that year, I think I was either genie from aladdin <laughs> uh spider-man or the the green power ranger uh, I, I don't remember which one i just remembered i was all three of those like one year after the other mm-hmm. but i wanted to be the red power ranger i remembered yep. that
2: but... everyone was the red power ranger the year i was in first grade this year <laughs> but
1: that year uh i couldn't find one my size and the only one that was my size was either one of those three and uh even though and i did i I remember i didn't want to be the genie of aladdin because it was old by this point aladdin had already been out i've already got on vhs and i don't want to be genie i wanted to be but at that point you there's not much at the stories you kind of have to take what you can fit so I, i still i still wore it i still owned it and i i was a I was an awesome genie. I don't care what anyone says.
2: (laughs) I I would love to see that if you have pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I might. uh,
1: um,
2: I was going to say something about that real quick. Uh, Yeah, that was, I I definitely remember a lot of people being the Red Power Ranger in my classroom in first grade then. There's at least five of them out of a class of 12. And I remember wanting to go to the Halloween store to pick out my costume. And I didn't see any more Red Power Ranger suits. They were all taken. Uh, I didn't see green because I wanted to be green and wear that cool vest and have the Dragon Dagger to, like, slash around. Spoiler alert, he's my favorite Power Ranger. But they didn't have any of that either because I think it was just before he was released in the TV series. So he didn't exist in merchandise yet. So my only other option was, oh, I guess I'll be Billy the Nerdy One because it might be strange if I wear the Black Power Ranger outfit. Um, And I... I ended up rocking it and uh doing a lot of martial arts moves in my front lawn before uh, i broke the mask so <laughs> i didn't get very far with that outfit um but uh in, re- in regards to like costumes that we kind of feel uncomfortable wearing second grade the year after was one that i really felt ashamed of wearing because i think batman and robin or batman forever came out in like 95 96 oh, no. yeah it was batman forever I, I was on a Jim Carrey kick and I wanted to be the Riddler, but the problem was my dad for whatever reason didn't want to buy the accessories. He thought it was too expensive if I bought the plastic cane and um I think the hat came with it. I don't know if it was separate, but I got the costume of my mother at Toys R Us one weekend. And I'm like, Mom, I can't do this. He's not going to look like the Riddler if he doesn't have the cane and the hat. And she's like, come on, this is the best we can do. You didn't want to be the Riddler? Come on, try it on. And I was huffing and puffing and throwing a tantrum. And eventually I got the... Got the costume and it just looked like a green unitard with question marks all over it, and I felt so ridiculous in front of my class without any of the accessories except for like the little piece of cloth that you put around your eyes to kind of get that thief kind of look bandit look and uh oh i i didn't even I didn't even have like the orange hair dye to make my hair look orange. it just seemed like i I have to asked it, but it was really my parents. Doing me in there to save a few bucks. So thanks a lot, mom and dad.
0: <laughs> you know what though? If uh, in fairness still Brett yeah.
2: At least she would have looked like the teamy version of the rebel. Because, That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Rest to peace, Frank. That, but, the Adam West
1: yeah. era, you mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 See. Fred Yeah, because
0: I think like uh, yeah, because like the movie stuff, yeah, they gave him McKenna or whatever, but it was like yeah,
2: yeah, classic Batman, yeah. Had nothing. That's a good way to reframe it. Although mm. I wasn't aware of uh, Adam West era back then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we go into the episode, and since we've already shared ours, uh, Reese, Jeffrey, were there any major costumes that you remember wearing for Halloween?
3: Well, I remember going as a werewolf one we year, were Spider-Man one year, and man, I don't have strong memories of what else I went. Maybe as a vampire, but again, that's the most I can remember at the moment.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, actually, like all my good ideas were pretty much my adult years, because, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. yeah, because as a kid, I wasn't as creative when I um, with like
3: have creative, I just did, like,
0: the, yeah, yeah, because I was pretty much just like um, Dracula for or, or like I went as like a little doctor or something like that, um, yeah, but. Yeah, like I said, mostly my adult years of okay, my best stuff. Like that one year, <laughs> yeah, I actually went. I actually went as um, I actually went as a corpse. Ooh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, so basically what I did was like I got this, I got this like um, I got like this makeup area, just like smear off and then just like color it in so like, mm-hmm. it made it look like the bruises stuff, and then I just took. Like, um, yeah, dad just took like a sleep bag, put through a couple of garbage bags over, it and boom. It was like instant, instant dead man. And it was like, it was like such a price because I was like, um, yeah, because I actually had my friends like wheeling me around this
2: stuff and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. really sells the idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, except for one thing is like at one point, like, um, it, they like walls um, control, and I like, hit walls. Like, guys, I'm supposed to pretend to be dead. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to actually become dead. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, don't want that. yeah ever. but then, um, did, like some of my good ideas didn't exactly pan out the way I wanted it to. Cause it's like, oh. yeah, it's like one year, like right when um second Fantastic Four came out, and I wanted to go dress Silver Surfer. Yeah. Now see unfortunately this is where I should have planned my idea out because Yeah, I just like went there and I had my friends just like um paint me up silver and yeah the idea Yeah the idea didn't really go off it as well because like um yeah like once it cooled off
2: it was, like, really, really hard for me to even walk, so. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it wasn't safe for skin? Was it, like, uh, like oil-based paint or something that didn't leave? Oh, no. It was water. OK. It was water. Yeah. That's a relief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tragic. That's the first thing I made sure was. And it was, mm-hmm. like, oh, But you know,
2: I had to say that at least I did win, like,
0: an originality prize for it, because.
2: Sometimes that counts and they do have um, different types of awards at school sometimes when they have costume contests where, you know, they do like a little parade around the gym or around the outside of the school and everyone gets to see what everyone else is dressed up as.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, like, if I would have had, yeah, if I would have really had like the stuff to do it, it was Well, since it would have been ninety ninety three, I would have probably wanted to go like as Kirk Mudgeons.
2: Ah uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah just I
0: would have just needed the bag with all the pendants and stuff.
2: Well, shall we begin with our uh, episode synopsis, gang? Yes, oh, let's yeah. do it. All righty. I'm ready. So we open with Skeeter narrating the tale of Bloodstone Manor, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oops, <laughs> wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> he explains that the mansion was built by the mysterious Baron von Heckelhofer to win the affection of a beautiful maiden. After their wedding... Heckelhoffer and his love crossed the mansion's threshold only to plunge to their deaths. Since Heckelhoffer <laughs> <laughs> since, since forgot to put in a floor. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, the haunted house was bought by a scary hooded guy whose face nobody ever saw and converted the place to a haunted attraction at Funkytown Amusement Park. Skeeter is excited to go to the mansion for its grand opening on Halloween night. Doug Though visibly nervous, however, agrees. Cut to the opening credits. So, here's our first break for discussion, guys. Can you tell us a little bit about how this episode came to be and what inspired the legend of Bloodstone Manor?
3: Oh, man. I mean, if only Jim Jenkins were here, we'd be asking.
2: (laughs) We we asked him. He's out of town for this week. Yeah, we did (laughs) ask him
1: to be here. I'll I'll actually post something different for you um, because. I don't know if you had the the chance to read it, but for those of you who are listening, um, we did ask Jim, and Jim would have, but he's he's traveling. And uh, we also did ask um, Billy West, uh, but uh, his his agent said, hey, that'd be great. Reach out reach out to us after the strike. Ah, crap, okay. Uh, and I got in touch with the writers, uh, both the head writer and the writer for this episode, and they both very respectfully declined, but Ken Scarborough sent us the first draft of this episode.
3: Mm.
1: Brett, did you have you read it?
2: Uh, not entirely. Do you shall we go through it now because I do have it pulled up?
1: No, I've I'll, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, I'll, I'll I, I read it before the episode so I can tell you things that are different that they changed that for uh-huh. are from the episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, go uh, for it. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Because it, it's really fun. Uh, whenever they got to the ride, they actually in, got to Bloodstone Manor. Most everything is the same. It's mostly leading up to it. Because as Brett had said at the start of the episode, Doug... And I'm sorry, not Doug. Skeeter was kind of retelling the tale and how this ride is... They built a ride around Bloodstone Manor. You know, this making this lore around this one ride. But the, originally in the first draft, it was coming from the perspective of Doug... And he was writing it in the journal, as he usually does. And he was talking about they were trying to build a ride. There's no lore around the ride itself, as in uh, a fake lore. There is a real lore around building this Halloween ride, which at the time was not called Bloodstone Manor. It was just a haunted house uh, type Mm -hmm. thing, and it took them forever to build this Halloween ride. There was a sign next to it that said, coming next Halloween, coming Halloween, line marked out of it. Next Halloween, line marked out of it, soon. They just didn't know when, because the, the legend was that the ride was so scary that even the plans would frighten the construction workers. Mm-hmm. And, and the construction workers were looking at the signs and they were holding uh, little coffee mugs and they were freaking out and scaring and shaking the coffee so much that it was coming out and they bumped into each other trying to run away from the plans. And uh, they actually started hiring new construction workers. And for those who are listening, I use air quotes because it was actual monsters who were coming mm-hmm. in. So it was like Frankenstein's monster trying to hide his flat top with a hard hat and dracula and a zombie whose arm fell off and they were trying to finish the construction because they wanted to have this thing and uh that so in this first draft monsters are real in bluffington uh i mean and, and i know that we had a bit of a supernatural element at the end of this episode, but this starts with monsters already existing and uh, trying to finish up the ride and then it's been finished and Doug and Skeeter are going to go on this ride and they are excited about going on this ride Um, but Doug uh, has to have Judy come along with because she's got to be the chaperone and that's that's where the opening credits start. So mm. already the lore is very very different. It doesn't say anything about Dingle Hopper. Uh
2: Heckle Hopper. <laughs> <yes, I know. laughs> how, how many Heckles can Heckle Gesundheit. Hopper? Heffer,
1: <laughs> how many heckle Heckles Barker. can Heckle, honker, heffer, 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 heckle Hopper <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a tongue twister. Yes it is. But um, it was yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah, I would say interesting to say the least, it almost has more of a Laughing in the Dark, Are You Fear the Dark kind of lore to it with the original draft because of how, how the spook house was built and then Zebo hit into it and, you know, it burned down and he became in, entwined with it, similar to, um, you know, our main antagonist, let's name him that, um, later on in the story. So I find that really interesting. And also how the intro of the first draft assumes that monsters are already real. And... A year later, around Halloween, we get the premiere of Ah, Real Monsters. You know, maybe, maybe there's something in the ether that they're trying to conjure up here where worlds are colliding, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe Icus, Corman, and live in a town scaring humans not too far off from Funky Town as well.
3: Mm. Yeah, although uh, although I saw a recent interview with Robert Zemeckis, who created My Life as a Teenage Robot, he early on had a supporting character who was a ghost, but he was told to cut it out because The Phantom was already on the way. So I wonder if that, if All Real Monsters being on the way had something to do with the change in this episode.
2: It it could be possible. I mean, there's a lot of creative writers and directors at Nickelodeon like Mitchell Creedman, Will McRobb, to name a couple, who were like often. You know trading roles on each other's shows in the early days of Nickelodeon like on Ren and Stimpy, Kablam, Clarissa Explains It All, Pete and Pete, etc. So I I feel like because of everyone's tight-knit camaraderie, I I don't know how they are related to Klasky Supo, but they did do Rugrats before they did Our Real Monsters. So I'm sure they're sharing a lot of ideas around and it just kind of became part of their collective unconscious as the, the Nickelodeon tour de force of the golden era. Where, you know, these ideas connect to those ideas and it's all mapped together on a conspiracy theory uh, pegboard. (laughs) But to continue on with the story, now that we've officially introduced it, Doug explains that Halloween is usually his favorite holiday, but he might not enjoy it as much this year since he's afraid of going to Bloodstone Manor. To combat his fear... Doug dresses as his favorite action hero, Race Canyon, which I am also dressed as because he is my favorite hero. (laughs) As he assembles his costume, Doug imagines Race Canyon climbing a mountain towards Bloodstone Manor, only to be stopped by the faceless Phantom. Doug enters the scene and he defeats the Phantom and delivers a whip smart pun. Once Doug is dressed in full costume as Race Canyon, he's in much better spirits and he even slides down the banister too, singing the theme song. Dun-dun-dun. On his way out the door, he finds Judy watching TV and informs her of his plans to go to Bloodstone Manor. Doug's doubts return when a commercial for the attraction interrupts the conversation. Funky Town advertises the manor will open its doors to give you the scare of your life or death. Wear a costume and get in for free.
3: Once you cross the threshold, there's no turning back.
2: This triggers Doug to revisit his daydream. This time, when confronted by the hooded phantom, he and race topple over the cliff's edge and Doug falls down into the canyon below. After his daydream dissolves, Doug arrives at Skeeter's house to find that his friend is ready to go to the theme park. Dressed as the Space Monk's spaceship, Spring Loaded, I might add, Skeeter worries they might not be able to make it to the ride if they don't leave early to avoid the lines. That'd be terrible. Doug agrees with a sly smile. Doug attempts to delay their haunted adventure, leading Skeeter trick-or-treating around the neighborhood twice before they encounter Roger, Willie, and Boomer. Oh, also Ned. The bullies dare Doug to TP Mr. Bone's house, and while he refuses, they call him chicken, mocking him and his action hero costume. Doug chooses to walk away, but now he's even more apprehensive about the trip to Funky Town, wondering How was I going to cross the threshold of death when I didn't even have the nerve to TP a house? The wing kicks up and takes his hat as he and Skeeter attempt to chase the Funky Town bus. Doug apologizes to Skeeter, stating he can't go to Bloodstone Manor. What do I need that hat for anyhow? I'm no race canyon. Skeeter is disappointed, but understanding. He suggests maybe they should check out Bloodstone Manor some other time. Just then, Patty, whose dad is driving her to the costume party, drives up beside them. Patty compliments Doug in Skeeter's costumes, saying Doug looks like Race Canyon, but without the hat, and tells him,
1: If you were a little taller, I'd say you were the spitting image.
2: Reinvigorated, a love-struck Doug imagines kicking down the door to Bloodstone Manor and chasing out all the ghosts and ghoulies. Patty crosses the threshold to meet him and swoons,
0: Oh, Race, right, you're my hero.
2: This prompts a confident Doug to ask her dad would mind dropping them off at Funky Town. Mr. Mayonnaise agrees. Both Patty and her dad tell the boys they'd never go into Bloodstone Manor themselves. Two workers rode in, but the only thing that came out were their shoes. Then Patty reveals Skeeter was the one who told him that. Doug questions his friend, who then says the guy in the hood who bought the house is a maniac who some people think still lives inside. When Doug and Skeeter arrive at the ride, the line is unimaginably long. After an hour of waiting, the attendant declares the ride is shutting down for the night, even though there are 15 minutes left before the park closes. Roger cuts in line to stand in with Doug and Skeeter, and he decides they still have time and are within their rights to go on the ride. The three of them decide to enter the manor. So here's our next break for discussion, guys. And maybe I should take off my hat since Doug lost his hat. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be in character. What are some of your favorite Halloween costumes? Were there any that gave you a confidence boost, like Doug's Race Canyon costume, perhaps?
3: Hmm, none that I can think of.
0: Uh, let's see. could take a Halloween costume, um, Oh, yeah, guys, well, speaking of people who look like they're in Halloween every week. probably if we went dressed as like um, Undertaker from like, WWE. <laughs> oh, OK,
2: nice. Good choice
1: my favorite Halloween costumes uh, much like Reese they, they were more when I was an adult uh, the the place I used to work at used to have Halloween costumes every year and I I'm I'm an actor I, I like to inhabit characters and and just be that character so my very first year that I was there I was Ace Ventura and I and <laughs> wow. I didn't just look at I I was Ace Ventura all day long and they it threw everyone for a loop and then the, and and I won that year and uh, then the next year I was Captain Jack Sparrow and and, and I was Captain Jack Sparrow I was I I was told I was so good at it that one of the one of the other adults that were there uh, their kid loves pirates mm-hmm. and they they hired me to play uh, Be Captain Jack Sparrow for their kid's birthday party. Who was like four at the time? It was totally convinced, even though I looked nothing like Johnny Depp. But they were that's
3: interesting.
1: They they were still very excited that you know Jack Sparrow, the real one, was there, even though I got a like plastic sword and all this stuff. They didn't care. They were four (laughs) and they had a blast. I had a blast. But those were my favorite costumes. Um, I don't think I had anything that was a real confidence booster when I was a kid. Um, The I I did feel pretty awesome when I wore the Aladdin genie costume. I didn't like the mask, because the mask wasn't one of those genie masks that covers the whole face. It was one where the mouth was, your head was inside the mouth. So the nose and the eyes were up here, which was super creepy. So I got rid of that thing, but this it was just a light blue top with this red sash in the middle and really bright shiny pants, and it felt more like samurai to me than, than anything. So I used to wear that and pretend I was a ninja going around the house and <laughs>
2: samurai genie,
0: samurai <laughs> genie.
1: It was so cool.
0: Oh uh, yeah. That's like, that actually, actually, actually made me remember that one because, um, yeah, I had this really awesome samurai, um, it was like samurai ninja outfit. And the perfect thing was like, once it got dark, it actually, um, Actually, like, kept my, actually, like, um, the hoodie blocked my face a lot, so yeah. And unfortunately, my friend Daniel like broke my nunchucks. That was like the one part about that, but I was like, I learned it, yeah, I learned it. It was pretty cool. And, um, I actually remember there, there was actually a sweet moment because we were doing this thing called like a trunk or tree, which is where, um, we gathered around, and, um, yeah, for anybody that doesn't know what one is, it's like, um, yeah, you gather around, and um, you have, like, the kids, like, do some games and stuff, and we'll be hanging out at the there Air whatsoever. But, um, yeah, like, after, yeah, at the end of the night, like, this one kid comes up from behind me and gives me, like, a little hug. He was also dressed as, like, a ninja, too, so. Actually, I thought about it, too. Like, if I would have had one dream costume,
2: and I would still hope for it, I would love to do Scorpion. Hmm. Mortal Kombat yeah that'd be fun especially with the retracting leg grappling hook finisher get over here get over here yeah that, that would be a hoot to see um, for for costumes for me that give me confidence it's it, it depends on the year because I had a few hit and misses and of course I I was also a vampire and spider-man but that was when I was really really young um, two stand out in my minds one of them is that I was the executioner from the front cover of Goosebumps book 27 and Night in Terror Tower in third ah. grade, and mm-hmm. my mom helped me make the costume from scratch, and I swear, it, when, when I was the executioner, it looked just like the front cover, so I was super excited to like, go around pretending like I was going to chop off little kids' heads as a fellow third grader uh, just because I was super passionate about Goosebumps at the time. So that's like the most confident costume I wore as a kid, and then as an adult, I had more fun with it in college when people dressed up and we did like haunted houses and stuff like that, where I um, I did makeup as a zombie, and I made like my faux hawk look like a buzzsaw coming out of my head, so it was a pretty cool effect, and then all the like blood and gore and stuff on me, it just made me look very convincing with... Uh, my friend Janine and a couple other people who got together and did like a zombie walk uh, in the tunnels of our uh, dorms. So that that was one costume I really enjoyed a lot. And another year, I actually, uh, for anyone who's watched uh, Steven Spielberg presents Freakazoid, I think it was on Cartoon yes. Network or Kids WB. Yeah, I made my own costume to look like Candlejack, that like little nice. floating Grim Reaper guy, and. Without context, I would just kind of float around the dorms all night and get uncomfortably close to people and be like, hey, what you doing? And They would just be totally freaked out. Some of them would run away. Some of them would hit me. Some of them would be like, hey, hey, I didn't, I didn't know you are doing that. G- get back, man. Kind of like uh, Will Smith from Fresh Prince.
0: <laughs> Look, it's Candlejack. Candlejack.
2: I'm going to need more
3: rope. Scream.
2: It was a lot of fun, and that's probably the most proudest costume I've done uh, of all of them just because I made it from scratch, and it looks like the actual character from the show.
1: Well, for um, going back to the episode, uh, I just wanted to point out some of the stuff that was was different in the first draft because there was still quite a bit in the first draft that was was unusual. Uh, Instead of Doug being nervous about going to Bloodstone Manor, which, again, it was just haunted house. He was excited. And Skeeter was excited. But Skeeter also wanted to go trick-or-treating. Uh, it, was, it was completely opposite. And Doug did not want to go trick-or-treating. He wasn't even in costume. And Judy, because she was the chaperone, she was dressed in a Halloween costume. And throughout most of the episode, she keeps changing costumes. The first costume she was was Santa Claus. <laughs> and the reason she chose that was because it's a statement about how all the holidays are interchangeable
2: mm. and she, uh she should go to christmas town in nightmare before christmas
3: yes. <laughs> Ooh.
1: and uh doug wasn't wearing one she was dogging uh, doug about not wearing a costume and then skeeter shows up in the costume that he is wearing in the episode and then he he's ribbing Doug. How come you're not in costume? Aren't we going to go trick-or-treating? And he's like, Yeah, no. So they stand him in front of a mirror, and they put on this Egyptian headdress. He doesn't want to wear that, so they take that off. They get a big floppy hat, and they put that on <laughs> him. He doesn't like that either. So then he goes to his room, and I'm. I'll have to point it out in the script where it says this, but he's thinking, what can I wear? And he stands next to, again, it's in the script, a sexy Harrison Ford picture complete where women are wrapped around his arms. And that's when he gets the idea to go as Race Canyon.
2: Interesting. (laughs) When you said sexy Harrison Ford, I immediately jumped to conclusions where he's looking at a poster where he's wearing skin-tight pants and he's like showing off his booty. (laughs) You are the bravest. Sexiest, most wonderful human being I have ever known.
0: Walter, I will follow you Walter. to the end. Walter. The and uh, then
1: they then they go out and they do go trick or treating. And uh, Skeeter ends up pointing out her uh, Judy's costume, going, "Oh, hey, cool, 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 Santa Claus." It's a statement about being interchangeable. And <laughs> and she was she got mad. She got mad at Skeeter for calling her out on what she was doing, so she changed Mm. her costume uh, to something else, and that wasn't working. So then she changed it to a picture. She she was a picture. Uh, I forgot it was like a picture of cheesecake or something like that, but she (laughs) had the frame. She was walking around with the frame everywhere she went and she was going to be meeting some friends over at Funky Town, and on their way, they came across, and this was scripted, though this is when the final version, Roger and and the rest of the gang, but instead of TPing Mr. Bone's house, they were egging people's houses, and they actually stopped at an old lady's house, and she was passing out candy, but uh, instead of giving candy, she was giving uh, apples. And Uh, Roger didn't like that, so he was trying to get uh, Doug to egg the house, which he refused to do. And just before Roger was going to throw an egg, he got hit in the head with an egg. And they start looking around who threw the egg, and the old lady at the house was standing there with a carton of eggs going, Ah, I still got my arm! (laughs) wow
2: she wants to pull the trick maybe it's miss Chloe from the twisted claw
1: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, then they got to then they saw patty and that was pretty much the same as it was and then they got to funky town and when they got there judy saw her friends And they were all dressed as 18th century Victorian era people, but because Judy is so pretentious, all of her friends were even more pretentious and they were these characters. They were these characters. And don't you know that that painting was not invented for another 300 years and they were dogging Judy the whole time. And she's like, I just want to have fun. And they're, they're dogging her the whole time. And now they're in line. And Judy and her friends go to a, a ball while Doug and Skeeter are in line. And the only additional joke they added in the script was they're about to round a corner. So they feel that they're about to get close to the entrance and and they're getting excited. And, and Doug tells Skeeter, look around, see see, what's in, see if you can see inside. And he peeks around the corner and goes, oh, Wow. He goes, what? What is it? And the camera pans around and there is more line to the entrance. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And But then after that it's pretty much all the same. Roger cuts in the guy says 15 more, or we're closing in 15 minutes and shuts everything down. So everything from that point on, pretty much from this point to that end, is almost all the same. Beat beat for beat outside of just a few little inserts of Judy, which we'll, I'll add those when we get to it.
3: I
2: was going say- to say this like, oh, oh, sorry, Brett. Oh, Jinx, we literally said the yeah. same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can go first. I'm holding on to my thought yeah. tight. Yeah. I was just wondering, though, like, well, yeah,
0: for... Because in the actual episode, you only see Judy for, like, that one little scene, but then they have her half the episode. But yet, you actually get, like, in the actual episode, you get, like, a brief interaction with Connie. But she wasn't mentioned in the first draft. And yeah. yeah. he's not
2: at great.: right?
0: yeah.
2: yeah, a little bizarre. I thought she would be in line with everyone or dressed up or something. But I guess everyone celebrates it differently. And it was just a minor detail. Um, what I was going to say was that, wow, I really love that concept with Judy dressing up, especially with like a picture frame around her. I wish she went as a Mona Lisa and then she'd have a serious art discussion with her friends being like, no, you're in the you're in the wrong art period. You need to be in the classical, not in the impressionist. Come on, give the program or res- renaissance, I should say, because I should know my art history.
1: <laughs> I, I, the, the only other, and I forgot to mention this, but she was going to be meeting with Joe joe was was the latest guy he is a poet i forgot that they doug and skeeter were kind of being a little you know those the the little brother bothering the older sister who's joe is he the painter he's a poet oh he's a poet and then they would just giggle and she'd get mad and storm off and change her costume and come back out again and um, Joe was at the costume party and but he didn't know that this was Judy because she was in costume. They had never met before. So at, at, at this point, it was just, oh, there's Joe. He doesn't know who I am. And she's going to try to impress him. But we'll advance that when we get further in the story.
2: Just a little more playing of what if before we continue Two things. One, I kind of wish based on that detail that you revealed, it was Kyle from Doug's sister act because they would have a little bit more established relationship going on and have it further in that episode. Uh, and two, I wish they made callbacks to previous uh, costumes that were seen in the Doug series because there's one episode where BB had a costume party and people dressed up as different things. And then, of course, you got um, Doug Can't Dance where they have the costume dance and, you know, uh, tons of lovely costumes there that we would have loved to see again, especially that donut with the mysterious hole in the center of their stomach. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, there, was, there was one other small detail that I remembered. It was very small, but it was very much a product of the time, um, which you never see this now. But back at this time period, I believe Six Flags was doing a promotional material with Pepsi.
3: So can we, and it's free! with a can of Pepsi. You bring a can of Pepsi, it's totally free. All right, see, you know what I'm talking about.
0: You heard that wrong. Can of Pepsi free? Yes, it
1: said great entertainment for a can of Pepsi. On this episode, they didn't say anything about it. They just did it. Doug and Skeeter had a can of
3: soda and they got in for free.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's like a deep Easter egg there if you know what you're looking for. Good eye.
3: And In fact, the one thing I should add I'm glad was changed from the first draft to the final episode was, you know, Doug, giving Doug fears of going to Bloodstone Manor because, you know, it gives him some of the hallmarks of his character throughout the series where Doug has moments where he doubts himself but eventually gets the courage to overcome them.
2: That's a very important point, Jeffrey, and I, I agree with you because without that, it doesn't quite feel like it's in line with Doug Doug's world because he is a very insecure kid. He's very human and humble like that where he has to constantly second-guess himself until he goes through the experience to make him stronger and more confident. So if he's not showing a little bit of intimidation from the get-go, then I feel like Where's the story going to go from there? He has to like build up his courage somehow. And we find that later in the story, that device is built into the ride as they go through it.
1: And it, 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 the changes they made as far as the, how they got there and, and going trick or treating as a means of distraction, that's all very much in line with what Doug, Doug's habits and, and, and um, character is. They were very smart changes.
2: That's why there's several drafts.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: Alrighty, moving on. So back in the story, the trio intrepidly crosses the threshold, pausing at a moving painting of the hooded figure. The green skinned figure taunts them that the only way out of this room is straight down. A pit of spikes lays before them. The walls start to close in, and Skitter remarks,
3: Kind of a short ride,
2: isn't it? Just when it looks like there's no way out, Doug realizes the drop down is actually an illusion. Nothing but reinforced glass, and they easily catapult themselves across the floor into the dining room, through the, through the, fireplace passage. Yes. Once they sit at the table, their chairs drop down and shoot into a ride below. The roller coaster zooms them around a haunted graveyard filled with animatronic ghost schools and zombies too. Doug and Skeeter are thrilled by the ride's atmosphere, while Roger cowers in the back of their coffin-shaped car. Suddenly, the ride stops. Skeeter finds a set of stairs leading below the graveyard set, and he and Doug descend the stairs hoping to find someone to start the ride again, leaving Roger in the train car alone. They find the controls, but when the train appears again, Roger is gone. Only his shoes remain. Doug and Skeeter hear Roger calling for help, and Skeeter quivers. I think I may
1: be scared now.
2: The two friends contemplate running away, but Doug knows they can't leave Roger behind, no matter how annoying he can be. And so, the two head back into the ride on a quest to retrieve his lost soul. So here's our another break for discussion. Do you share Skeeter's excitement for haunted attractions, or are you more cautious like Doug?
3: I guess I'm sort of in between. How so? Well, I mean, on the one hand, I can definitely get the excitement of entering a haunted house, but you know, on the other hand, I try not to, hopefully not, well, hopefully don't get too frightened by what I see.
2: I'm the same way, too, because I went to this place called Darkwood Manor with my wife, her brother and his wife. And I haven't been to a haunted house since like my carnival days as a kid. But it was really fun to go through once I kind of got over my nerves while waiting in line to get in. Um, You know, it's, it's like you have you have one part of yourself saying, "Okay, this isn't real. These are just actors. They're just kind of creating an atmosphere for you and the other part's like, Oh, I wonder what's going to be around that corner. Don't kill me. <laughs> uh, and I, I think just having that, that perception that you're going to be safe at the end of the ride, even if it does get scary and there are some expected parts that may jolt you, uh, is a good healthy balance, uh, to experience those rides. So I, I, would agree with you there, Jeffrey, that I'm very similar when going through haunted houses. Yeah,
0: I, I think I'm like the same way as Jeffrey because, uh um, yeah, you definitely want to have that. Definitely want to have that air of like being scared, and and at the same time, you also don't want it to be like. Um, you don't want it to be like um, the abnormal, pretty much. Where it's just like, what? That's it. That's the monster. Go well, look, you
3: can see the zipper in the back. <laughs>
0: you want that when it comes out? It's like. Well, I don't know how they came up with that effect, but, yo, that legit scared me. You know what out of me. But I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, you're also hoping that we don't have the accidents because there's a sad tale that comes because um, one of my friends, Amy, um, went there and I forget what, yeah, because um, there's supposed to be this night that comes out of this like evil knight that comes out of nowhere, and unfortunately, his blade inadvertently like um yeah like nicked their head, and um, yeah it was a pretty yeah, it was a pretty deep cut, so yeah that's it's really like, scary. Definitely <laughs> want to hope, yeah you definitely want to hope that you avoid that at all costs, but um yeah but you definitely want something where it's like oh. If, you're gonna promise something scary, yeah, you want to deliver, but but definitely um, have a lot of safety to it.
1: Yes, yes, most definitely. Um, a, a, as a kid, you, you know uh, I, I was terrified of everything as a child. I wouldn't even I had a hard time going through Snow White's scary adventure at Disney World. Uh, <laughs> I was terrified of that. Uh, but now as an adult, I'm like, I, I don't care. Let's do it. I'll, I'll do whatever at this point. Uh, kind of making up for my time as a kid. But um, uh, that was something that, uh, to your point, Reese, uh, some of the haunted houses here, they are very, very careful about making sure that accidents like that don't happen. They would use real power tools. Uh, at, at one point you're trying to walk through and somebody would chase you with a real power tool and you'd hear it revving up but all the blades were out mm. so there were, there were no blades of any kind it was just empty you'd hear it revving you'd hear you could feel the air off of it and they would get really close to to your wrist while you're trying to hold onto the rails to go through but and they are very very close it's with that flat part of the saw so you, you know and they, it's very, very clear. You're fine, we're not going to hurt you. But uh, my, my favorite part about this whole thing was we went uh, to a haunted house with my family, uh, Megan, my wife, and, and her family. Uh, it was their idea. We already, there was two in, in the area. We went to one and we made my mother-in-law go first because she screams and she is, <laughs> she's the one that everyone would chase because she's the easy target Mm -hmm. and it started to turn into a battle of who is going to hold mom's hand because whoever holds Mom's hand has got to be strong because she will jerk your hand and you'll end up probably dislocating your shoulder because that's what she would do so when we go to house number two she's not going in front i'm not doing it somebody else goes in front i'll be in the middle and then they're all going, here, you can go in the back. No, I'm not going in the back because sometimes there's ghosts back over here. I'm not going to the back. Yep. I'm going in the middle.
2: They do sneak up behind you.
1: <laughs> so my favorite thing about this whole thing with her in the middle, they made me go first. And I know what they're doing because that's what I would do if I was working in these places. Because I love scaring people. Uh, I would watch who's the one who's responding physically the most because the calm one, you're not going to get anywhere with them. If you stay calm, you're fine. But if you look for the ones who are kind of fidgeting and looking around at every little thing, they're the ones you want to go for. And this one area, the only thing I don't like about haunted houses is there are, at times, it's so dark, you don't know Mm -hmm. which way to go. Mm -hmm. And one of ours here is is in the catacombs of, of the old courthouse. And at one point, you go through this small tunnel But it's so dimly lit that you can't see the pipes, which is to go back to Reese's point. I had a friend of mine who hit their head on a pipe that you can't see because it's so dark and they didn't light it up. So I don't I don't like those. That's not scary. That's just dangerous. And uh, this one area, it it got dark again. And I'm thinking, man, I don't I don't want to. I can't see anything. I have no idea which way to go. But it was very, very smart because there's you're not going to hit anything they had blocked off walls so these walls go to one particular point and you have to go through this little bottleneck and as i'm feeling and i found the walls i felt somebody's shoulder somebody is dressed all in black with a black hood and i felt the shoulder and we all have to go through they can see somebody else above can see so i leaned over next to the person's ear and went third person in is when you want to go and then lean back out. And then I went past, my wife went past, got right next to my mother-in-law and they hit the strobe lights and the guy in the middle just goes and screams right in front of my mother-in-law and she she had to change her shorts after it was. <laughs>
3: oh, <scared. Shorts. laughs> she, told,
1: she told everybody Literally. i'm gonna have to put some depends on before i go to this thing i know i am and she did and she's <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: thank goodness i'd never been that scared before where i had to change my drawers <laughs> uh man you talking about that conjures up all these memories i used to have where i worked at the haunted office at the residence halls association at college where we would like line up, do our little acting thing as people move along and uh, see how people react. And mm. there, it, there's a certain satisfaction to not only the, the people being really scared, but also us being able to scare them. Yes. It's like a it's like a mutual. Yeah, we did it right. Awesome. Versus like having someone go through and just like eating popcorn, trolling everyone, which I actually mm. had one or two people do that to me. And I'm like, come on, man, at least try.
1: <laughs> no. my, my favorite one was as I would go through, I would look for the places that I would want to be. And I found one where there was, like, four mannequins all in a row, all, all in costumes. Uh, and, and they, were, they weren't, you, you couldn't see their face, but they, were the, they, they covered them in mannequins and had, like, the rubber masks on them. So it looked like, and it was dark, so you couldn't really see. And the Freddy Krueger one, I could see the eyes. Mm. And I, I was looking, and I nudged my wife and said, that one's mm. real. She goes, which one? Which one's real? I said, that yes. one. And then she made eye contact. Or went, M- made eye contact. Went, what that one? And he goes, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was perfect. You got timing. it
0: good. <laughs> you got it good. You know, actually, in uh, the tie-in episode, you know what? Like, I forget what scene. I forget what specifically was happening at this time. It was like right when they were going by for Roger, when I see this one tree pop out, I was like, even though I know it was only for season one when it came to Legends, but it was like, when you're watching the reruns afterwards, man, I was like, I almost wanted to suddenly hear Olmec yelling, but be careful, but beware of the temple guards in the tree.
3: (laughs) But beware of the temple guards
2: that may inhabit the trees. Maybe uh, maybe the Dark Forest was influenced by Doug, because I (laughs) think season two, when they started the Dark Forest that came in 1994, which is a year after this episode. So, yeah, it's that collective unconscious influencing each other again.
1: (laughs) Mm
2: All righty. Well, uh, I think we're a little bit spooked and I might have to change my pants, but we're going to cut to a commercial (laughs) break before we go deeper into this haunted house. So don't go anywhere. And uh, remember to flush. We'll be right back.
1: Halloween adventure will continue after this. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Splat Attack. While you have this opportunity, would you please leave us a review on any apps that allow you to do so? And also, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you don't miss any of the horrific action that we've got going. Tune in next
2: time, Stories, when we visit another mysterious mansion for more supernatural tales of wonder and woe in our Beyond Belief Factor Fiction Retrospective. This time around, we'll be accompanied by two returning guests, excited to tantalize your minds with fact, fiction, and all around frights. You can find all the retrolific action only here on Splat Attack.
3: There's lots of ways you can find me on the internet. I am on Twitter, at Jeffrey Kier. In my profile, you can find a link to the accounts for my blog, Care Reviews, which does have its own website and podcast. If anyone's interested in learning more about my tastes in film, I am on Letterboxd, and you can also find more of my work on Broadway World and Gold Derby.
1: Just want to remind you that you can totally be kicking it alongside us wearing some awesome Splat Attack merch go over to bonfire.com slash store slash splatatextore hyphens in between to get some really rad 90s Nickelodeon shirts. We've got some new Legends of the Hidden Temple and Are You Afraid of the Dark t-shirts there, along with some snakes Stick Stickly, How Clarissa Explains It All, Double Dare. we got quite a few things over there. Roundhouse has been a really big one. So make sure to go over to our bonfire and pick you up some t-shirts and possibly a coffee mug or two.
0: If you guys want to check me out, I am on Instagram at Rock And, Reese, and you can also check me out on Twitter at ReeseRocksTheMike. That's Reese with a capital R. And uh, Rocks, R-O-X, D-A-M-I-C. Yeah. And um, you can also check me out on Nova Filters Network. I do, well, during football season anyway, I do Sunday Funding at... Um, Eastern 9 a.m. Pacific, and I am also host a show called Rocket Jocks um, at five five o'clock Eastern on Fridays, unless otherwise noted. And I also have the NFL Nightcap, which do Sundays at seven on Instagram and Mondays at seven on Facebook.
1: Two haunted house specials in one episode. We must be doing a versus battle between Alex Mack and Shelby Wu. Jordy joins us as we have our versus battle that is only available on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to get access to this episode as well as a backlog of other exclusive content just for our Gakkoids. It is spooky season, so we're doubling down on our exclusive content. We are gonna be having another Game On episode this month, as well as another exclusive episode where we have a three-way battle between three Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. More on that later. But for now, enjoy what we've got with Shelby Woo and Alex Mack, and we'll see you on Patreon. You can't run from Doug's Halloween special. Now back to Doug.
2: Alrighty, so we are back, and I've got a fresh new pair of pants on, and I am ready to get through this haunted house. No one's going to scare me that hard again. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're, we're just going to jump right into the next part of the episode synopsis and uh, have another discussion. So where we left off, Doug and Skeeter retrace their steps to the graveyard and find an open grave leading to the ride's basement slash animatronics workshop. Doug opens a towering sarcophagus prop to reveal the maniac. Doug is brave enough to inquire after Roger and the hooded figure orders them to leave in a a haunting deep voice. As Doug turns away, he catches his reflection in one of the funhouse mirrors. Instead of Race Canyon, Doug sees himself as a chicken in his mind's eye. He states they won't leave without Roger and that brave decision to face the Phantom, his reflection morphs into Race Canyon. The Phantom opens, a hidden door leading to a control room. The three of them watch Roger and his friends on the monitors outside as they conspire to egg Doug and Skeeter. When they emerge from the mansion, the Phantom plays the tape back to them, revealing that Roger tricked them all along.
1: We go to all this trouble, and now we get eggs. <laughs>
2: Not necessarily. We see Roger, Willie, Boomer, and Ned in the graveyard, and ghostly voices call their names. Pull back to reveal what appeared to be ghosts of Doug and Skeeter hovering over them with green faces, saying they will haunt them forever. Cut to the control room where we reveal the Phantom is actually transmitting a broadcast of Doug and Skeeter dressed as ghosts into the graveyard. Where are you
0: going? You're not chicken, are you?
2: He gets Roger the promise he'll do anything to get the ghosts to spare him, including cleaning up all of the houses he egged and TP'd before the night is over. The Phantom joins in, saying, "Next time Roger causes trouble, he may not be so lucky." With that, Roger and his goons run away. So we're going to have another break for discussion. What are your thoughts on Halloween pranks and mischief night in general? Do you feel Roger's actions are justified here?
3: Oh yes. Care to elaborate? Well, well, yeah. Because you know, as a bully, well, anyone who does something harmful should always learn from the error of their ways.
2: That is if uh, they are able to be caught, because oh, when, yeah. whenever I think about the Mischief night pranks, I always think of the, the punks that were conjured by the Twisted Claw from Are Fair of the Dark, mm. and they had those weird Phantom of the Opera masks that like, uh, cover their faces, and they had the weird modulated voices, and I, I wonder, if they actually got caught, what would happen to them? Because it mm. seems like they just appeared and disappeared out of the blue to uh, terrorize those kids. Good point. I uh, mean,
0: like, yeah, he still to always hate shift Night because, yeah, now I should mention mentioned, like, um, if anybody's ever lived like in a tri-state area up in the Northeast, yeah, you know how, like, it could be, especially like in Philly, mm-hmm. which is where I used to be from. And,. Like they, they, they did anything and everything when it came to Fleet. and I remember, I remember the one day I was staying up, I stayed up late, and I had a feeling that they were gonna go to, go after my mom's new van. So it gets to like three, and I'm like trying to keep, my, yeah, and I like kept, I turned my light off, but I like kind of stayed. But I kind of like peed through the curtain just to make sure because they didn't think like um, it was going. So think it were finally clear. But then, yeah, then I finally went to sleep. Wouldn't you know they get it an hour later. And it was like, yeah, and they like got a like shaving creamed um through butter i forgot like what else they used on it but they like got it really good it's like yeah hey it took us like a week to get all that stuff out of it
2: i think it's safe to say we're not fans of uh mischief night just because it seems like you know such a hassle to clean up after and Mm. I don't think any of us personally would uh, take enjoyment in destroying our people's property just for the sake of being a Devil's Night
3: or, mm-hmm. you know, around Halloween for the sake. Yeah, I'm lucky I've never done that myself.
2: Yeah, I, it, my house was actually egged a couple of times when I was growing up um, at two different places I lived actually in New England. And uh, I, <laughs> I later found out that my neighbors in, who lived in front of me did it because I was out trick-and-treating and I came back home and there's eggs all over the, the vinyl siding. And uh, my parents ended up talking to their parents and made them clean up clean it up the day after. So at least there's a little bit of karmic mm-hmm. retribution
1: there. Yeah, I, it's Halloween. I like, to, I like some mischief. Emphasis on some. And uh, that was one of the things. My, my son loves to watch YouTube prank videos and wants to, what can we do to prank mom? Yeah, because he he always sides with Dad. And that's what I would have to tell him. Pranks are fun, but you have to do the right prank. He's like, what are you talking about? Think about this. If someone's going to prank you, what's going to go too far? Because we can prank Mom, but we don't want to do anything that, one, is going to hurt her, two, is going to make her feel bad, and three... If you're going to make a mess, you clean it up. Mm -hmm. And he went, okay. So, like, if we blew up a whole bunch of balloons and put it in a car. Okay, that's fine. It's fairly simple. So, I I do like mischief things. I I do like to to do some pranks. But there's there's a fine art to it. uh, Because I want to make sure that whatever I do... I don't have any problem because they're going to come back at me. And I know they are. Mm-hmm. I, and I want it to be something that I'm okay with.
2: I, I think the key word to keep in mind is playful because if, yes. if both, you know, the pranker and the pranky get some enjoyment out of it, mission accomplished, but yes. if it's just one-sided or sucks yes. for everyone, then what's the point other than tradition? I always think of like on dance with Stars or whatever, Sasha's doing like
0: one of his pranks. Like he'll usually just do something ah. like <laughs> drop a bat. From him to sell while like everybody's trying to do stuff and yeah like stuff like that course, but yeah, yeah okay. as far as like egging and tp and stuff or just like um yeah just like stuff where um something might get damaged or whatever mm-hmm.
1: no yeah playful pranks okay the purge no thank you <laughs> amen <laughs>
2: Well, uh, looks like we have a little bit more of episode to go, so let's finish off this episode review, shall we? Dissolve back to Doug Skeeter and the Dark Phantom laughing as they walk through the amusement park after hours. The Phantom mentions he has something that belongs to Doug and reveals Doug's Rice Canyon hat from his robe, which I'm going to put mine back on too because I just found it. Uh, Doug is equally confused and impressed. Doug finally asks the hooded figure who he is. The Phantom just says... Just call me Baron von Heckelhoffer before disappearing into a sparkling black whirlwind. As Doug and Skeeter agree to hightail at home, we hear Doug's voiceover narrating that he thinks he'd make Race Canyon proud. Not only was he brave enough to cross the threshold of death, he went back to save Roger too. As Doug and Skeeter break into a run towards the exit, Doug wonders, I wonder if Race Canyon ever had to run all the way home. And that is the end of the episode. So we have one more break for discussion before we do our episode rating of Doug's Halloween Adventure, and here's a question for you guys. How did Doug's motivations to enter and stay in Bloodstone Manor shift throughout the episode? Could you
3: relate to him at all? Well, it's, it's a lot to think about. Like, I mean, let me say that this episode literally has all the hallmarks of any great Doug funny story, I mean i mean i've added how you know he overcomes his doubts but you know you know especially you know as kids get older they realize whatever fears we all may have we must overcome them and find ways of doing so and i think doug definitely does that well in this episode
2: i would say so too yeah i think his biggest uh problem was just feeling like he was chicken like he couldn't handle this ride that he built up so much in his head through his imagination but in the end, when it came down to it, he was very heroic in going after Roger and, you know, attempting to save him, even though Roger was, you know, doing him dirty with pranks. Uh, But it it shows a lot about his character that he's willing to, you know, burst through these challenges uh, of emotional distress to do the right thing. And I think it's a the episode as a whole is a great example of of Doug's character showcasing those traits about him.
0: Yeah, I think like Doug, in this episode, pretty much embodies life in general, because you see something, you see something, it makes you nervous at first, and then when you're in it, you're like, "All right, I got two choices: either let my nerves conquer me, or I conquer my nerves and get over." It. And throughout the show, like even when things seem like they're at at their most um, dangerous or their, their most impossible. Like, Doug just, like, says, you know what? I just got to do this because if, yeah, if I, like, chicken out or whatever, then I'm going to, like, let it haunt me for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. I'll never know what would happen if I just had the strength to go through it in the first place. So... He's just like, all right, let's just go for it. And if
2: something happens, then so be it. But at least I know I had the courage to try in the first place. Totally. Yeah. And I think as example that's shown here, you're definitely rooting for him at home when watching the episode.
1: Uh, to touch, I, I'm not going to recap what the three of you said, because it's, I, I agree spot on. Uh, but I just do want to touch on some of the other differences there are there are a few small ones uh, from the first draft to the the final version most of them involving Judy uh, because from this point on just about everything that happens between Doug Skeeter and Roger and although they never say the Baron's name in this version uh, or in the script for draft one it's the the plot points are still there uh, there's only one one major difference but Judy, goes to the dance and all her friends are still being super pretentious she finally sees joe and the rest of them aren't even letting judy of all people have an opportunity to talk because they're all dogging her or her costume and she finally has enough and she leaves joe guy she likes follows her and she's been going by the name Gloria all evening, so they, <laughs> he, he starts asking her about, because he likes her, he thinks she's she's a little different than everybody else and then she says, I'm different, what do you mean I'm different? And it's like, well, the rest of them are are super pretentious and then she takes off her uh, costume and, and she said, well what about Judy? Judy? Which one's Judy? Oh, the one who's always wearing the 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 hat with the sunglasses. Oh, her! She's more pretentious than all of them.
2: Oh, jeez. And
1: that crushed her, and she ran away. She gave him the frame and left. Uh, and then we cut to uh, Roger and the the group together laughing because now Doug and Skeeter are inside, and Judy catches them. And then it, when she catches him, it cuts away and goes back to what's going on with everybody else. And she makes Roger stay until Doug gets back. And when Doug and Skeeter get back, uh, they all leave. But Roger gets his coat stuck on a hook. And they're all messing, and he's like, wait, guys, come back, come back, and they're ignoring him. They're like, ah, whatever, because they think he's doing the same thing again. But as they start to leave, the Baron shows up and starts to terrify Roger, and you hear
3: him screaming while the rest of them are driving away.
2: Oh, that's dark.
3: Uh, Okay, well, I will say, I'm kind of glad they changed the ending with Roger, you know, being left behind, Mm -hmm. you know, with uh, everyone thinking he was joking, until he's approached by the Phantom, because, well, we've seen endings like that before and since, so Mm -hmm. I'm glad they changed that. And it would also seem to go
1: against everything that Doug just did.
2: Yeah, it feels like, are you of the dark cliffhanger? So, Mm -hmm. I'm happy with the final version, the way it turned out, where it gives you a little little teaser of the end question mark but still it resolves everything in a in a relatively happy manner even if doug and skeeter are running all the way back home
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah so with doug's halloween adventure officially being covered what do you guys want to give your splat rating for this episode
3: well i rated triple s because okay as someone who got back into watching old nickelodeon shows in 2018 i also got in the habit of watching their holiday specials every year since then and i can now say with confidence that doug's halloween adventure is my favorite nickelodeon halloween special i mean it's funny it's heartfelt and also suspense like you know i'll never forget the first time i watched it you know when the ride vehicle came packed with just roger's shoes i too was convinced something bad happened to him and and when i was re-watching on paramount plus earlier today when doug and skeeter saw the surveillance footage of roger plotting his prank i wa- was like what a jerk and just <laughs> seeing, <laughs> yeah and seeing roger get his comeuppance was revenge best served cold so yeah literally best nickelodeon halloween special in my opinion so yeah it deserves my rating
0: I'm going to give it a double. i will give it a double us, And I have to say, this was definitely one very really awesome episode. And I liked so many times in this one because, like I said, they, they gave me the legend with the, with the tree. Although, like I said, a little futuristic legend. But it also gave a little bit of a present one because, of course, when they go through the- when they would like fall into the animatronics, room, it was like oh, there's some webs in there, so it's like hey, just fell into the spider's lair. And seeing the and then when they open up uh, the sarcophagus, there it's like oh, hello to many ancient kings. So you get like a triple legends call there.
2: before you continue, you just re- made me realize because we we recently discussed on this podcast when talking about the Legends 30th anniversary that. Legends was originally going to be like a haunted house theme uh, instead of like the Aztec <laughs> Mayan temple that they went with. So maybe there's some more like weird subconscious crossing over going on here.
0: It's that Nickelodeon telepathy, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, well, <laughs> yeah. By this time. Yeah, a full yeah. psychic link,
3: I guess. This, uh, I guess yeah. this episode needed you know all make and solve some dreaded temple guards. Yeah, yeah.
2: but yeah, um, he, they yeah, could uh, take Roger away. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: But the um yeah, the only reason I can only give it a double because um, yeah, there was something you guys brought up and then I thought of it. And when you said it, I like thought about like if you had have brought back some old costumes and when Doug looks himself as the chicken, I was thinking, Oh man, if they could have had him like as Mr. remember when uh Mr. Dink was, was the, the chicken Doug and Dad's episode? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they would have had Doug and that chicken. That that would have made it such a better touch. And also, yeah, no Mr. Dink, no mm-hmm. pork chop. Well, outside of the little intro that they usually do. But um yeah, those would have been the only two things that that I would say that would have made this episode a triple. But still, it was beyond worth the double.
2: Mm-hmm. Very, very fair assessment, especially, uh, I didn't even consider Mr. Dink and Porchop not being here, but uh, I guess I didn't really miss him with all the pacing going on, but it would have been interesting to see what it would been like if Poor and Mr. Dink even went into Bloodstone Manor with the boys.
1: Well, for me, th- there are two things that this reminds me of, just uh, that are pop culture. One is the Haunted Mansion, which I'm sure mm. was uh, a big influence for this, because You do see the the ballroom where they all dance and they have that table where everyone sits down and and they have their scream salad and the the screaming head of lettuce and stuff. And um, also the graveyard. Uh, You do go through that room in the Haunted Mansion. So this ride reminds me of that combined with a little bit of Tower of Terror with Mm. that giant drop that you go through, uh, which is also really, really awesome. Uh, They've changed that now. Now it's Guardians of the Galaxy ride, but Still, it's it's a drop. Mm-hmm. Uh but the other thing this reminds me of is the movie Clifford, uh which I'm sure many people have no idea what that is. Not it the is, big red dog. <laughs> no, no, not <laughs> the big red dog. Ask. No. This this was came out in the early, early nineties and it, it's Martin Short and Charles Groden and it oh, is yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a trippy, trippy movie. Martin Short is playing a child. He is a full-grown adult, but he is playing a child character, and the entire and Charles Grodin is his dad or or his uncle or somehow he's a, he's his guardian, and the whole time the only thing this child air quotes wants is to go to Dino Land, which is mm. uh it, it it's as cheesy as it sounds, and he's annoying. It's Martin Short being unfiltered Martin Short. It gets really annoying really, really fast, and you just watch Charles Grodin get angry. By the end of it, he (laughs) gets in the ride, and Charles Grodin is in charge of the ride. So that's what reminds me of this, because he gets in it. And he's like, no, this was great. Do it again. He goes, I really shouldn't put this in hyperdrive, but I just can't seem to help myself. Oh, (laughs) well. Oh, boy! It just made me think of that. Uh, and, And I don't know when I'll ever reference that again. Probably never. (laughs) But uh, anyway, as for the episode itself I really enjoy this episode Uh, I love Halloween episodes already I had mentioned this earlier But if you're going to do One story For uh, Doug Throughout the Whenever it's normally two different stories Then it it needs to be big And this really felt big Uh, I'm really surprised That we actually see Doug trespassing Because he technically did Uh, both him and Skeeter. They were willing to to break the rules a little bit, which is not something that you'd see Doug normally do. But Doug is also the rational one. Uh, Usually he's irrational and has a lot of anxiety, and it takes takes other people to push him to rethink about certain things. This episode, he does it on his own, uh, with the inspiration of being Race Canyon, but I like that Patty encourages him and gives him that little boost of confidence to, to go and try this ride. And uh, even though he's nervous uh, and reminds me of the first time that I went on a roller coaster when I was a kid, I was scared the whole time, but finally got to do it. And I, I now love roller coasters. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of get that from him. But then also whenever, of all people, to get lost roger and anyone else more than likely if outside of patty i think patty would have stuck around to help but if patty wasn't around and you put literally any other child from bluffington and roger pull that prank nobody would have gone looking for him not even skeeter it would have only been patty and doug and, but Patty would have done it out of courage, because well, not out of courage, just because it needs to be done. Doug had to do it and use courage to do so because he was afraid but was still going to do what was right. And I really like that about Doug. I really like that about his character growth for this one because this was all originated from him. He went somewhere deep. To take care of somebody who has treated him poorly the entire series and even after this episode but what's right is right and that is an incredible thing and just on the morals alone and the story it's total triple s for me
2: now i'm, I'm gonna echo all those sentiments i love this episode and out of all the halloween specials that there are in Nickelodeon, this is in my top three right behind um Twisted Claw and, believe it or not, Ren and Stimpy's Haunted House. I really love the atmosphere of this. And (laughs) what?
1: I love that episode (laughs) of the Ren and Stimpy Haunted
2: House. I'm dying to figure out where to put it in our schedule. (laughs) (laughs) But that that aside, um, we'll we'll have to do that later down the road. I, I appreciate how Doug gets a lot of character development during this episode of a holiday special of all places. Um, we just talked about Alex Mack getting a lot of character development on our Patreon Halloween episode in *The Secret*, and she, she—I mean, it's not like necessary required lore, but it certainly helps to know that for a bit of context to have a deeper understanding of the series as a whole. And this is one of those moments where Doug's Doug's character is really put to the test due to this ride and due to losing Roger because he's always had this like weird rivalry going on with him ever since he moved to Bluffington and I think he kind of turned the tables and showed that he was the bigger man the person with power in this instance where he he found the the courage and the empowerment within himself to do the right thing even if he doesn't like Roger and I really I really love the mystery at the end without it being too heavy-handed about Baron von Heckelhofer being the person like I guess manipulating the events in Bloodstone Manor and it leaves you wondering more about the character too as he he disappears as fast as he appears in this episode so without belaboring my response too much I mean what do you expect it's Doug and also my brother was born um, in a hospital where this was showing on the little tv to the side that I had glued to my eyes so I'm like oh aren't you cute little Brother Devin, and of course, you know, to my left, I was watching the TV. Oh, yeah, this is my favorite Doug episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that sinks into my memory a little bit deeper than other Doug episodes. So, Triple S Splatceptional. Uh, I have a little bit of quick trivia just to mention about this episode, and then we'll move on to our segments to have some fun. This was the first and only Halloween episode made for the series' original run on Nickelodeon. Believe it or not, Disney's Doug also has Halloween episodes called Doug's Bloody Buddy and Night of the Living Dougs, which have aired in Season 5, Episode 8, and Season 7, Episode 6, or Season 1 Disney and Season 3 Disney, in case you'd like to explore those slimesters. Also, as we mentioned before, the costume Skeeter is wearing is also based on a spaceship seen in the video game Space Monks, which both Doug and he played in the Season 2A finale, Doug's Lost Weekend. When Doug talks to Judy about going to Bloodstone Manor in the, I guess, living room, family Mm -hmm. room,
3: Uh,
2: a commercial for Smash O' Skateboards plays on the TV just before the Bloodstone Manor commercial. And if you have a keen eye, this commercial is also seen in the season three 10A episode Doug Inc., in which Doug trades his Smash O' Skateboard for five tickets to Funky Town, which coincidentally is the only other episode in the Nickelodeon era, Doug, where we see Doug and his pals visit this amusement park. Uh, In addition, Baron von Heckelhofer's voice can also be heard as the voice of all the creepy creatures Doug encounters in the season 2 6B episode, Doug on his own. Uh, The advertisement on the back and sides of the Funky Town shuttle bus reads, Cross the threshold of death at Bloodstone Manor. Pretty straightforward. And lastly, I would like to mention that Baron von Heckelhofer is voiced by Doug Prius, who also voices none other than Doug's father, Phil Funny, while uh, Willie White, Mr. Bone, and a slew of other background characters on the show. And uh, according to IMDb, this is the fourth highest rated episode, beating out Doug's lucky hat by one slot, which we gave our first perfect episode rating to on this podcast. Uh, I do want to also mention quickly that uh, back when I was doing more art on Instagram, I did an interpretation of this episode, so I'll throw it up on the screen for all your slimesters to see.
3: Oh, oh! Oh! Wow! Oh! oh boy. Sweet!
2: Yeah! Yeah! That's Baron von Heckelhofer behind Bloodstone Manor, uh, attempting to grab the boys or at least intimidate them before they enter. Uh, I, I also do want to mention, as one last thing, uh, shout out to Ken Scarborough for sending us a copy of his first draft for Doug's Halloween Adventure it was it was really cool to see what kind of changes that were made between the different versions and uh we appreciate him connecting with us even though he didn't end up joining us for this episode so thank you ken
1: and we didn't ask he he just gave that to us because he he enjoyed the fact that we were enjoyed this episode so much and that we had found him we reached out to him and he appreciated that and i i won't say into why but he he did decline and say, but I did find this for you and sent this our way. And that is above and beyond anything that we could have expected. So thank you very, very, very much, Kim.
2: Indeed. Very kind. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to move to our first segment of a couple. And uh, we're actually going to do rename game because screw the rules. It doesn't matter if it's a versus <laughs> or not. It's Halloween. <laughs> I, I really wanted to rename this one. So we're going to do it. Alrighty, so for Rename Game, what would you give a title for Doug's Halloween Adventure if you could come up with your own that would fit it well?
1: Uh, I thought of Sir Douglas of Bloodstone Manor. (laughs) Makes him
2: sound like a knight. I like it. it has got a medieval feel.
1: It does. Even though he wasn't, but he still... I don't know. Sir, just... it, it, It sounds far more mature, and since... He did, in a way, grow up quite a bit in this episode. I thought that was fairly fitting as well. Yeah, he definitely earned
2: a distinction of honor through the trials that he's overcome here. It also reminds your title also reminds me of the liver and onions episode when he wears the armor to face the (laughs) liver and onions. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But that's a side tangent. I'm actually going to rename this one Doug and the Maniac Mansion and I'm doing this as a nod to the 1987 PC game with a similar haunted house premise because I used to love playing point and click adventures growing up on my computer, especially anything that's Halloween themed. So this was right up my alley along with like uh, Monkey Islands and uh, Midnight Rescue and a few other games that I can't remember.
3: Okay, here's what I've thought of. I was thinking it'd be scarier, which is Doug's Halloween Nightmare.
0: Ooh, nice. yeah. I'm thinking of Doug's, well, it's a Baron, Doug's scaring with the Baron.
2: <laughs> I like it. Nice. I wow. got a certain rhythm to it. I'm scaring with the Baron. And we'll, we'll post all these uh, titles that we made on Instagram so that all you slimesters can vote on which title you prefer the most. And we'll share it probably within an episode or two, just when we get the results. Alrighty, moving on to our second segment. We got some mail from Mona, and apparently she drove her motor all the way into Bloodstone Manor because there's a catacomb <laughs> section. So we, we went down the super fun, happy slide to meet her at the catacombs, and we have a couple letters that we're going to share today in regards to the Rocko's Modern Life 30th anniversary. So let's go on over to Mona, shall we?
0: Nail, These are for you!
2: Thank you very much, Mona. I appreciate it. Uh, here's our first letter. It's from our Gakkoid Travis, who's a longtime fan and friend of the podcast. He says, "Hi Alex and Brett, I just watched the Splat Attack episode celebrating the 30th anniversary of Rocco's Modern Life. F, as Heffer would say, that was a hoot. Very well done. I remember owning some Rocco comic books as a kid, as well as a Rocco T-shirt. In fact, I even wore that Rocco T-shirt in my fourth grade picture. True story." I also remember playing Spunky's Dangerous Day on SNES. These days, I own Rocco and Spunky Funko Pop figures, as well as a pair of Rocco socks. To answer your closing question, what would some season five scenarios of Rocco's modern life look like if it were to continue today? I guess I would have to say there would probably be some episodes dedicated to modern trends like book banning, streaming services, podcasting, and AI, and you know things like that. I can also picture them bringing back Earl the Bulldog, as well as You the Tick and Squirmy the Ringworm. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Stay gacky. From Travis. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so Travis. much, Travis. Oh, jinx. <laughs> Bobby a Pepsi, so I can get in line for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, our second letter came from Al, and it's always great to hear from him. Uh, it says, Hey, guys, just finished listening to your Rocco 30th Anniversary episode. Once again you fulfilled the hype. Thank you for that. I especially love the point Russ made about the symbolism in the theme sequence's imagery. Brett's added point about running for the TV as a means of escapism which perhaps uh, not so coincidentally is how The Simpsons punctuates its intro and Russ's observation about the clock motif. I wonder if that stems from the same rationale as the constant presence of parking <laughs> meters on the fatheads. I will likely find more to unpack as I further digest of this two hour gem. You will likely agree we can never have enough Rocco talk. Best pal. Thank you so much, man. And thank you for all the love that you send on Twitter. I would think you and Travis are just about the only ones who, who get some, will comment and retweet and all that mess on Twitter but we appreciate you we appreciate Travis we appreciate everyone who takes the time to write in and let us know their thoughts so thank you all of you
2: yeah thank you guys so much uh, we just love connecting with you and it's it's always a treat whenever we get someone interact with us through Mona's mailbag it's not much but it's it shows that your dedication and passion for our podcast and what we want to accomplish for our podcast is is very much alive and well uh, through our fans so Thank you so much, and uh, for all you Slimesters out there who are hesitant to write in, don't be bashful. Let us know about any episode, even <laughs> if it was the very first one we've done.
1: Even if it's not one we've done yet, you'd like to see us cover it. Let us know. Definitely. Yeah, we're here for you guys. And I I believe, uh, in Jeffrey and Reese, you, you, you guys are going to be in for one, one last treat here, because my understanding, it's spooky season, and I know Brett has been cooking up some special stuff just for spooky season so brent what, what is our final segment
2: oh yes um this is a new trend that i'm starting this year with our halloween episodes but i thought it'd be fun if we did halloween themed segments uh which may or may not be continued next year and beyond uh but i come up with one different one for every single halloween episode we're doing on our main timeline and patreon this season and i'm calling this one haunted house horrors because we're talking about haunted houses I figured I'd bring something back from the past to uh, do a little bit of a choose your own adventure role play to figure out what our fates will be. So, let me pull out my handy dandy 90's fortune teller and uh, we will see what awaits us in Bloodstone Manor fortune teller form. So how, how it works is I have four different rooms of Bloodstone Manor in here. So you're going to pick whichever one uh, on here and then I'll do the little, the little flippy thing. And then for the second round you're going to pick a number and I'll do the flippy thing. And then the third round you're going to pick the character that you pick any character that comes to mind from Doug and I'll spell out his name. And then you have an option to take the secret door option or take the regular option and then it'll reveal your fate. All right. All right, so let's go with Jeffrey. We got the kitchen, the bedroom, the dungeon and the study. Which would you like? The study. Alright, S-T-U-D-Y. Uh, pick a number that's either one, two, five, or six. Five. One, two, three, four, five. Doug character? Doug. D-O-U-G. And would you like to um, take the regular or the secret door?
3: Mm, I think I'll take the secret door.
2: Uh, let's see, four, seven, eight, or three.
3: Mm, I'll take three
2: secret door you find a vacuum made for sucking up and trapping ghosts the ghost approaches you with a chainsaw and is captured and you escape via the balcony huh nice so you got through bloodstone manor congratulations
3: <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> jeffrey is safe Yay. all right
2: let me reset this and i'll have uh, reese pick next we've got bedroom dungeon study and kitchen which would you like dungeon awesome pick D-U-N-G-E-O-N. Pick a number, one, two, five, or six. Two. One, two. Uh, Doug character, name. Skeeter. S-K-E-E-T-E-R. And then pick another number, which is three, four, seven, or eight. I'll go seven. Okay, seven. And would you like the secret door path or the regular path? Secret Secret door. Secret door. Grab your race canyon whip a candlestick lever from above the fireplace to reveal a passage to a spooky themed food court. Your date and you share a delightfully spooky meal together. So I guess you're still in Bloodstone Manor but just chowing down <laughs> for a romantic evening. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's not a salad. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming salad head. Interprets spooky delight however you wish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, I'll have you pick a room. Yeah, bedroom. Alrighty. righty. B-E-D-R-O-O-M. Uh, numbers are one, two, five, or six. One. One. Doug character. Chalky. <laughs> Z-H-A-L-K-Y. And then you have three, four, seven, or eight to choose from in the secret door or regular path. Four, regular door. The chair you are sitting in grabs you tight as a zombie feasts on your neck. Brains. Well, yes, you're dead. You're a zombie now. You <laughs> did not make it through. And then I'm gonna play, because I don't remember any of these answers I put in here. I'm gonna choose the kitchen. K-I-T-C-H-E-N. And then I have three, four, eight, and seven. One, two, three, because so I like three. Doug character name, let's go with Roger. R-O-G-E-R, and then I'm going to pick eight secret path, eight, secret door, sorry. Secret door number eight. You slide down the super happy fun slide with a long stake on a crossbow. As the vampires approach at the bottom, you fire and impale through all of them at once, allowing you to escape in the catacombs. Woo-hoo! Nice! Yeah, pretty pretty badass way to go if I do say so myself.
3: <laughs>
2: that was pretty fun. Maybe we'll bring that game back someday. We'll see. All right, Gatcoids, I think uh, Funky Town has closed down, and uh, we better get out of here before some policemen try to uh, arrest us for trespassing. So Our Baron your... von Pimple
3: Popper comes by.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to run to Baron von Pimple Popper anytime soon. <laughs> um, closing question. Did your hometown ever have any rumored hauntings like the Bloodstone Manor legend here? Write to us via email at spyattack 2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at spyattackpodcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Podcast, or, you know, just interact with us wherever you find us on social media, via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Uh, Patreon, of course. We love talking with our Gackoids over there. And if you haven't checked out our bonus content over there, Uh, We've got a lot of fun stuff that we got going on, including bonus episodes, live streams, some Halloween-exclusive episodes that you may be interested in. Check all those out. With that being said, Alex, will you scrape the slime off the wall for us, please? I want to see what all this Bloodstone Manor hoopla is about for myself.
1: I'm going in. Aye, aye, co-captain. Just be careful. Remember that Baron von Hegelhofer... Wait a minute.
2: There's no floor...
1: <laughs> Forgot to put in the floor. Talk <laughs> you later, slimesters. Not only was I brave enough to cross the threshold of death, but I even went back to save Roger. I wonder if Race Canyon ever had to run all the way home.